He's Jonathan. He's Timothy. And this is Project 1517. Scripture, theology, life. So here we are, last time, just to get everybody thinking again, it's been a week since we've talked about Jonah chapter 1. We, we were in scene 1 when we first started off, where Jonah's running away. We're in scene 2 now. The Lord kicks up this massive storm, this great wind, and Jonah's caught in it, and, and we're going to go through again. We looked at the characters of the pagans, what the Lord has, what had done in their lives through this event. And then we also looked at an overarching view of how the Lord is sending wave after wave after wave of his mercy into Jonah's life to recapture his heart. And so we saw the Lord's heart in that. Now what's interesting, and I wanna I wanna set this thing, this whole thing up on a bigger biblical level, is that there's actually more than one Jonah-like event in the scriptures. So where you have people interacting with God on a sea. So let's just think about that for a second. And you got you got uh, Peter when he's out on the water and he's fishing. And he understands in an abundantly clear way that Jesus is God who is with him when they have this massive catch of fish. And Peter sees that and he gets it and he says he gets it to such an extent that he says lord you got to go away which is the wrong response to it but but he's getting it right like he's getting the fact that this is god when when the sea is controlled when even the most unpredictable thing in the world is controlled that has got to be god and nothing less than God. In the same way, the disciples have this happen to them again. They they see Jesus walking on the water. And again, this we're just, um, you might say, retreading some of these thoughts from before. But when you see God treading on something in any time in the scriptures, uh, when there's walking or treading, you it's a it's a show of dominance, it's a show of of control. And when the disciples see Jesus walking on again, uh, the the scariest thing in their lives, which would have been the sea, they look at Jesus and they get scared, and they they get scared so much that they deny the reality of the Lord's power and they say it's got to be a ghost. And then Jesus says simply. It's me. It's really me. So you have people interacting with God on water, and they get it. Yes. But does Jonah get it? No, he doesn't. And and, and God's going to send, to, to use the word hoard here, he is going to send wave after wave after wave of creation and people to save Jonah. And that, that's where he starts, is he starts with um, the wind and the waves. Uh, in verse four, he, but Jonah doesn't get it. So what Jonah decides to do is he goes down below deck and he takes a nap. <laughs> but uh, in, in the Hebrew, yeah. it's indicated that he goes to the most, the innermost part of the ship. That's how we understand the Hebrew in the clearest way. Like he's getting away from this storm. He's going as far down away from the storm and away from God. As possible. Yeah. And he falls right? into a deep sleep, which is a very special sleep. Like this is this is the sleep that Abram fell into when he got that vision from the Lord of the fire pot, you know. And this is a sleep that Adam fell into before you have the divine surgery and, and God uh, fashions yeah. the woman. 
And so Jonah is the sleep that Sisera had before. Oh, really? Yeah. So oh, this is the tent peg. The point is that, yeah. that Jonah's dead to the world. He's he's deader than the ship. He's deader than the wind and the waves. He's deader than the pagans. He's dead to the world. He's spiritually dead. He's in a deep sleep. So he lays down. And and so what we're saying is this is a very good translation. It says he fell into a deep sleep. Is it, you know, Timothy, is it okay if we just do a quick excursion real quick and talk about on a bigger level what's going on here? I, you know what I, I, was, I was thinking about? I don't know what's going through your head. Go see ahead. This, I don't know what you're talking about. He's looking at me like I'm, like I'm crazy right now, and I probably am. Um, one, of the, one of the things I like to do in the summer is I like to pick out a few good novels to um, try to understand my world better and, and understand the human experience a little bit better. And I picked one about the South uh, this summer because I want to understand the South better. I live in the South and uh, try to get it better and, and understand it from another person's point of view. And so I read this book. It was a Pulitzer Prize winning book called All the King's Men. It's actually been been made a movie. But one of the things that happens in the book is the main character talks about a great sleep. And in fact, he went through two periods in his life where he experienced the great sleep. And in each case... He was despairing. In each mm. case, he had come to the end of a portion of his life, and he realized this isn't it. This isn't going to do it. This is not fulfilling. This is not satisfying. I don't like where I'm at in my life. And so for him, this was a coping response. He hated where he was going. He hated what was going on. And he said, I'm just going to fall asleep. And he did it for months. He would just go home. He would function in life. He would barely function in life. He would do what he had to do, and then he would just go home and sleep. Like, and it's there, yeah, I, I get that. I think Jonah. That's where Jonah is. He's like, I don't care if I die. I don't care if I live. I'm just, I'm going to sleep. You know. Look, look Timothy. I, I sleep's a good thing. Sleep's a good thing, right? Like, wouldn't we say that God God designed us human beings yeah. to sleep? We can sleep can be a, a, a regenerating thing, a resting thing. So, I want I want all of us to understand that sleep's a good thing, but we also have to look at our motivations. Anytime we take a good thing and we use it, we have to understand why we're using it, and there can be motivations uh, that we would we would call this escapism, right? We can use sleep to try to escape a hatred we have for our lives. Yeah. And there, look, there are, there are a lot of tools. There are a lot of tools that, that, that we can use to do this. And I, look, I just want our listeners to try to relate to this in our lives because we can have storms going on in our lives. And the question is, what do we do when the storms come up? Right. Do we try to, do we try to escape them? And there's a lot of ways that modern people do that. Sometimes it is through sleep. Like I just talked about, like you can use sleep to just check out and, you know, it's pretty sweet little checkout, too. (laughs) Yeah, you're dead to the world. Like I beautiful. You're dead to it. Yeah, you're dead to it. And I I, I think I can see how I've done that even through the use of sleep or uh, other ways you can do it is through drugs. Other ways you can do self-medication, right? Self-medications of all different kinds. These are so we have to look at. I've oh, even seen look. athletes just all they do is 
try to get in better and better shape and win races and stuff like that. I think I've <laughs> better, you know what I'm saying? Like you check out. That can be a cope. You just yeah. check out of your main callings of your like, life. I'm going to, I'm going to do, do this over here to try to forget about that over there. Like the right? fact that my dad died, you know, or something like that. Right. Yeah. Try to so, forget. Yeah. And all of us, th- this can come in a million different forms and, Maybe maybe the spirit can show that to you in your life. You know, think of college. Look, watch college football, but ask yourself why are you watching college game day for eight hours on Saturday? Ask yourself why are you streaming Netflix at unprecedented levels? Mm-hmm. Think that through for yourself. Yeah. Are you running or gaming from a storm in your life? Right, gaming or e-working too many hours. You know. Is there something you don't want to face? Because that's what's going on here, right? This, that's what's going on here is, is Jonah. To, to the extent, and it's so bad, and this is the whole irony of it. It's so bad. Here you got this prophet. You got this Christian who should be trusting his God and following his, the Lord's call. And instead what happens, and we examined this last time, the captain has to come to him and say, hey, wake up to your life, buddy. So that's this is happening. That's the first thing that God. That's kind of the well. The second wave. The first wave is the big storm he sends. Jonah still doesn't get it. He goes to sleep. Then he sends the captain to wake Jonah up. That doesn't work. You know, complete silence. So Jonah. So then God says, "Okay, I'm going to call you out to repentance." So then God sends a third wave to. Uh, to wake Jonah up. So they cast... Relentless mercy. Yeah, so they cast lots. Um, and and the people, the sailors say, tell us who is responsible for making all this trouble for us. That's the word for evil. Who brought this evil on us? You know, who did this <laughs> to us? And it's the, inquis- it's the Inquisition here, right? They just pound him with yeah. questions. And it's a beautiful way for for Jonah. The Lord often does this with questions in our lives. Like he just pounds us with questions. Seven questions, questions here. here. Seven questions. Who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What one. Yeah. What do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? And Jonah doesn't bother to answer all those questions. <laughs> but it's waking him up, right? He's it's waking him up. A little bit little bit yeah but he, he, we have to qualify that he does kind of give a grudging answer no repentance at all by the way he doesn't repent he actually never comes to repentance in the entire book which is stunning but he says i am a hebrew and i worship the lord the god of heaven who made the sea and the land we, now we have to talk about that in a second but i want to i want to show you the the listener something here about you know what a disobedient prophet Jonah really is. So, so the captain comes to him and says, "You got to get up, calling your God." And he says, "Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish." Now, what's a good prophet going to do in that situation? A good prophet's going to tell an unbelieving person, "Let me tell you about the true God. Let me tell you what he's like. Let me tell you about what he does for people who are about to perish. Jonah says not a word. There's absolute silence. He's a horrible, horrible prophet. Finally, uh, the Lord makes it so a lot falls on Jonah. They 
you know, they haul out the Inquisition on Jonah. Finally, he gives up a confession of faith. Finally, he acts like, a, you know, at least a semi-prophet. And what does he say, Timothy? Like, let's unpack these words. Well, it is, What's he saying? it is a beautiful confession of faith, and it does bring the sailors to faith. He, he says, I wor- I'm a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord. So the God of free and faithful love, um, the only true God, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. So he's the God of creation. He Everything mm. that they see, the one who's got his hand on the storm, that Jonah's saying, I worship him. And I want to I want to point this out because we're we're now a week later from when we pointed it out. But remember, we're in a chiasm. So we're looking in verse nine. What we just quoted here is the central part of this scene. It is the central confession. And by the way, let me just point this out. Um, If you if you attend a church that is confessional and and pulls out confessions uh, or creeds, creedal statements, we say this every week at peace. <laughs> yeah. We say this every week at, at, at my church. Yep. Uh, this is who we believe God is. He's the creator of heaven and earth. Right. Beautiful. Powerful. It's the first article of the creed. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, he also says he's a Hebrew. Yeah. He also says he's a Hebrew. Ivriv. <laughs> yeah. So that it's just a word that. That means that we are a people who are landless. We have no home. You know, we we are sojourning a people. And that's how uh, the, the people refer to themselves, which is a beautiful biblical truth in and of itself. You know, we're all, in a sense, we're all Hebrews. We're all sojourning. We're all pilgrims um, looking for a greater place. Of course, wow, that's powerful. Of course, Jonah, you, you could say, is a little bit sarcastic because he really is a Hebrew, in because <laughs> he's, he's in the, on the sea. He's trying to get to Tarshish, you know. <laughs> <laughs> he is landless, but it is a beautiful gospel thought. Like we believers are the people who are waiting for the ultimate land. You know, the promised land to be with our God who forgives our sins and he's going to be faithful. He's going to be faithful to us. And he's the God of creation who raises up the dust again in the resurrection to give us our homes, Mm -hmm. to give us our ultimate home. When we will no longer be Hebrews, we're not going to be landless people. We will have our land and that's with our God. Powerful, powerful stuff. Well, we're still tracking Jonah. I mean, they're pounding him with questions. This is the Inquisition. And Jonah is still, he's still kind of dead inside. And so he he wants to go further down than the inner parts of the ship. Um, he now, As if that was possible. Yeah, <laughs> now he's going to say, like, I mean, I'm not even sure where he got this idea from. But he has this harebrained idea. What the the people asked, the sailors asked him, "What should we do to make the sea calm down for us?" And Jonah's like, "I got it. <laughs> Pick me up Pick and me throw up. me into the sea." <laughs> down, down, down. He wants to come. Down, 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 down. Throw me into the sea. What is going on there? Well, that's the thing. You know where? What? 
does Jonah believe in human sacrifice? Does he <laughs> does he really think that sacrifice is going to placate um, the living God? You know, because uh, what what God prefers That's is what he obedience, says. right? Not not sacrifice, but obedience. All right. Yeah. Um, mm. But Jonah's going to try this. Try this. And there's there's a lot of questions about this. Like, basically, there's three ways of thinking about this. Either option one is Jonah's uh, totally suicidal here. He just wants it to end. Just, I want it over. Yeah. And there's good reasons to believe that. You know, he's done. He's suicidal. Um, and be, there's good reason to believe it because if you go to chapter 4, then he, he gets suicidal again. And he even asks God, and then he asks himself, I just want to die. Just just let me die. Um, so that's possible, you know. The sleep, didn't, he couldn't escape through sleep, so now he's going to try to die. Throw me into the sea. I'm going to go to the ultimate sleep. He's going to take one further step. And, Throw me in. And it's really sad, too. Like, Jonah, of all the people in this book, Jonah's the one that values life the least. He doesn't care about Nineveh. He doesn't really care about the sailors. And he cares least about himself. Meanwhile, the pagans do everything possible. Yeah, to save life. They're, they're like, we don't want to do this. God, forgive us for throwing him over, is what they're about to say. They value human life. Deeply, 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 deeply. Yeah. So Jonah doesn't even value his own life. Right. And we could talk a lot about this, but our culture, sadly, would join with Jonah. You know, Uh, life is being valued less and less and less today. Um, Mm. And the pagans, the pagans are the ones that are right. You know, it's it's not. Life is valuable. Every single person, young, uh, old, or or anywhere in between, right? Right. Is it also possible? I mean, that's one possibility, though, right? That's one possibility how we could understand what mm-hmm. Joan is doing here. Is it also possible that we could understand this as Jonah, uh, you know, Jonah as both saint and sinner, he comes out... Uh, showing us his sinner side here where he's saying that he's he's showing that he has in his heart this idea that by his own works he can placate god could that be a possibility well yeah i mean i think that is that is a, a second possibility that god i'm really sorry i will give up my life for you now. these other people shouldn't suffer because of me you know that type of thing so mm-hmm. I'll, you know, like it's this last desperate act. God, I'll make you happy now. I'm saving the sailors. Um, I hope you like it kind of thing. Yeah. And a, and a third possibility is like, and, and this is the ancient fathers like this one the most, uh, Jerome and others, that this is Christological. Like it, it wants to... Um, why you know point us forward to the great sacrifice of Jesus for the mm. self sacrifice of Jesus that he will die for the sake of others 
and so a selfless substitutionary um, three days and three nights kind of thing. All right. Now we're going to see that God doesn't allow him to make that sacrifice. We're not there yet, but we're going to see that God doesn't allow him to make that sacrifice. Well, he doesn't need to, certain, right? Yeah. That's but we what you can't help but see Christ in that. He who Christ who's thrown into the sea on our behalf, the sea of God's wrath, for sure. Yeah, and so I'm not sure. You know, I do you have a, a preferred interpretation, Jonathan? I'm not sure which way to take it. There's a part of me that rebels against the thought that this is a type of Christ. I I just don't think that God asks his prophets to sacrifice themselves for others um, in this way. It's, I I honestly think it's a part of his rebellion. That's yeah, how, that's I think where so I come too. down. I think yeah. I think it's a part of his rebellion. Self sacrifice is not what he wants from us. Uh, that's what he called Christ to do. He does not call Jonah to that. He calls Jonah to repentance, which Jonah doesn't. Jonah doesn't give. Here. He never repents in this whole book. In fact, he does the opposite when the sailor says, "Who's responsible for making all, bringing all this evil on us?" The NIV's got trouble, which is a problematic translation. Uh, Jonah look. just says, "He says the the storm came uh, because of me." So not <laughs> he never uses the word evil about his actions, right? He this is not an act of repentance. So, I mean, we can see these tendencies in ourselves, too, where, you know, hey, God, I'm, I'm going to do this for you now. You happy now? Are you, you know, are you done being mad now? Because you know, should and that's be. that's what he's yeah. doing. Yeah, because you should be happy because I'm doing this now. I ran away and I don't want to do my calling, but are you happy now? I'm going to give up my life for you. And what God wants us to do is trust his Christ, that Christ is the one who pleases him, that Christ is the one who appeases his uh, his anger over our sin, and he calls us to go back to our vocations, to what right. to what he wants us mm-hmm. to be doing in our lives. And anyway, Jonah, that this is what happens, right? Jonah says, "Okay, throw me in the sea." The the pagans don't want to do it; uh, they're very sensitive to that. They don't want to do it. It gets wilder and wilder, though, right? It gets mm-hmm. wilder and wilder. We're told in the narrative. And then, and then they throw him overboard. And then the raging sea does grow calm. It does, yeah. He does. was right about that. Yeah. yeah. The raging sea does grow calm. And uh, what do you make of that? Well, I mean, God loved those pagans. And, um, you know, we're going to leave it there. We're going to leave Jonah in the heart of the sea because the narrator does. And and we're going to see what happens to Jonah as, as far as his future is concerned. We know what he deserved, though. We do know what he deserves. And we have to, that's the hanging question in each of our lives is when we go all the way down, what's going to happen? Yeah. Does God right. leave what's us gonna, in Sheol in the heart of the sea? What's, what's going to happen? But for right now, I think what we need to see, what we need to train our eyes on is we need to see this God, this creator God, who sends wave after wave after wave of his mercy to love us, to be faithful to us, to call us back 
to his heart and to his love and to the callings in our lives. Well, I think this too, Jonathan, I think we do need to see it. And, and in order to be able to see it, we need to open our eyes because the Lord is calling to Jonah over and over and over again. And Jonah is just not hearing it. It's amazing. Like first the word of the Lord comes to Jonah. Jonah won't hear it. Then he's going to send a a storm into his life. Jonah's still deaf to the Lord's call. Then he sends the captain and he says, why aren't you praying, Jonah? Jonah says nothing. Then the Lord calls him out with lots. Jonah makes a half-hearted confession of faith and there's no repentance. And and finally, he gets he, he says, throw me into the heart of the sea. I mean, if we could just open our eyes to all that God is doing in our life, the word that he sends to us, the pastors that he sends to us, the people that he places into our lives to call us to faith, to call us to trust. Oh, you know, the circumstances of our lives, yeah. all of it. And the question is this, and this is what I think we have to leave our listeners with. So Jonas gets thrown into the heart of the sea, and we're left with this question in this scene. To what lengths will the Lord go to save rebellious people? How far down will To he save little monstrous Jonah. What's he, yeah. or will he save him? Is he going to save him? You know, or is Jonah just a lost cause? Just, all right, you wanted to end up in the ocean? Have it your way. You know? That is the question. That's the big question. (laughs) Hang in there, (laughs) listeners. We're coming back next week. We are podcasting scripture one book of the Bible at a time. For more information, visit www.project1517.com or our Facebook page. We do invite you to support this ministry by sharing this podcast with family and friends and by giving us a good review on iTunes. You can also help with the costs of its production by giving a gift on our website. This is Project 1517. Scripture. Theology. Life.